if you had one wish that could be granted, what would it be? Right? Like, you know, genie in a bottle, like the, like the rules, though. You know, you can't wish for more wishes. Like, what's the first thing that comes to mind when you think about the, like, one wish that you could have granted? Now, I want to I push the envelope a little bit more. Um, not to get too political here, Louis. Calm down, all right? But if you found out, if you found out that you were going to be the president of the United States, you were going to win the election, and you had one wish, what would that wish be? Would, 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 would your wish change now that you know that you're going to be president? What, what would it be? The reason I'm asking this is because there's this exact situation that comes up in the Old Testament, in the Bible. Um, there's this man named Solomon. His father is David, the guy who slayed Goliath, the second king of Israel. Um, he passes away, and Solomon is, is his heir. He becomes the king of Israel at the height of Israel's powers, right? And Solomon um, has this moment where he, he goes to sleep. He's about like 20 years old, right around there, maybe a little younger, maybe a little bit older. He goes to sleep, and God meets him in a dream. And he says, hey, you have one wish. I will give you whatever you wish for. What, would it, what is it? What would you like? And without like really hesitation, Solomon, this young kid who, who's now a king, he says that he wants the gift of wisdom. He wants the ability to serve his people well and have the ability to discern right from wrong so that he could be a good leader for the nation of Israel and be a good replacement um, to, the, to the, like, what is known as like, the best king, David. Right? So, so Solomon wishes for that. And so immediately God sees that response and he's impressed, right? Like Solomon's about to be a king. He could have wished for immortality. He could have wished for the, the death of all of his enemies and, and, and the reigning power forever of Israel. But instead, Solomon looks to his people and asks to be a man of wisdom so that he could be a good role model, so that he could serve the, the nation of Israel well. So God responds by saying, because you have asked for this, because I value wisdom, you will be wise like none other before you. And no, no one that comes after you will be as wise as you are. And so sure enough, Solomon wakes up, and he is this wise person at a, at a very, very, very extremely young age. So wise that people would come from, like, neighboring territories of Israel, like queens, kings, like wise people from other, other nations would come to Israel just to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And God even takes it one step further, and he goes, because you wish for this, like, I'm also going to bless you. You're going to be very wealthy. I'm going to protect you. And that, sure enough, that's what happens in Solomon's life. Like, Israel rises even more. Their borders get even, grow even larger, and they're wealthy. They build this huge temple. It's like the peak of the nation of Israel. And it's all because Solomon asks for this wisdom, and he becomes this very, very wise person. Now, I'm talking about this because this story shows us that God really values wisdom. He really values it for us. But he, it also tells us, too, that you don't have to be this old person, this soup, like this elderly gentleman or gentlewoman, to, to be wise. Right? Like, I, when I think of a wise person, I tend to think of, like, Gandalf or, like, you know, Dumbledore, like these old white wizards like with, like, long beards that, that are old and they have a lot of experience. But what we learn from the Bible is... Wisdom isn't depicted by your age. Yeah, that, that helps, and, and the more you grow and, and the older you get, you tend to get more wise because of the experiences that you've acquired in life. But wisdom can be achieved even as a high schooler, even as a child. A child can live a wise life. And so today, we are starting a new series um, of going through Old Testament wisdom literature. 
This guy, Solomon, who's really wise, he has a lot of great words. He goes on to pen a lot of that in the book of Proverbs. And then, and then we're also going to look at books like Ecclesiastes and Job because I think that there's a lot of really important things that we can learn at a very young age from these books. And, and one of the main things I want to get across as we look at these, these Old Testament books is that godly wisdom is crucial for all if you want to have a good life. We're going to call this series The Good Life. And I truly believe that if we, are, if we are acquiring wisdom and knowledge and understanding from God, that is, that is the step towards living a good life. And that is my hope for everybody in this room. And so today, as we kind of kick off this series and look at different um, Old Testament wisdom literature and different books like that, we are actually going to look at Proverbs chapter 1. We're going to look at the first seven verses of the book of Proverbs. And while we do that, we're going to learn what the Bible's definition of wisdom is. And we're going to see how that leads to a good life for all. And it's something that can be achieved by us today. So let's get into it. Let's look at Proverbs chapter 1. I'm going to read the first seven verses. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior during what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance. For understanding Proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So right away with these first three verses, I want to talk about three different aspects of biblical wisdom that we achieve um, that, 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 that Proverbs is talking about here. So the first one we can see in verse 2. It says, for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight. And the first aspect of, of biblical wisdom that we see is this aspect of, of intellect, right? Like when we, when we receive this biblical wisdom, we receive knowledge and understanding of God's words, and it's something that we need to sit down and ask ourselves, are we going out of our way to look at the words of God in, in hopes to receive knowledge and understanding? It makes me think of a really cool story in the New Testament. Uh, Jesus, in the Gospels, in, in the book of Luke, um, Jesus is at uh, his friend's house, Mary and Martha's house. Mary and Martha, they're around a lot with Jesus. They have, a, they have a mutual friend named Lazarus that a lot of crazy things happen with him. We're actually going to talk about him later on this year. But um, Jesus is at their house, right? And you have Mary and Martha. Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus, asking him question after question and learning all that she could, taking in as much as she possibly can, and just totally enjoying the experience of being with Jesus. And then in the background, you have Martha, who is probably the owner of the house, and is frantically freaking out because the Son of God is in her living room, and she's trying to prepare things and, and get things ready, and she's totally missing out on all the wise things and all the insights that Jesus has in this conversation with Mary. And so the story kind of ends with, with Jesus not like scolding Martha, but more just lifting up Mary for stopping what she's doing, despite the busyness, despite all the noise going around, and stopping what she's doing and looking up to Jesus and asking him these questions and gaining this knowledge and wisdom. See, we see here in this story that we should be like Mary. 
Like, we, we shouldn't be caught, like, there's a lot of crazy things going on in our lives, in our busy schedules, right? There's a lot of busyness, and we can end up like Martha and miss the fact that we have the creator of the universe, this God who abundantly loves us, who wants to give us all this insight and knowledge, sitting in our living room, and we're just completely ignoring him because of everything else going on in our lives. Jesus doesn't want that for us. God doesn't want, us, want that for us. And Solomon, as he writes these words, is telling us that we should be looking to God and his word for knowledge and wisdom, for insight and understanding. And so that's the first aspect of wisdom that we see in, in, in the start of Proverbs, this knowledge and understanding that we can acquire when we seek out the wisdom of God. And we learn here that God rewards those who come to Jesus seeking knowledge and understanding. That's what Jesus does in this story. He, he lifts up Mary and says, way to go. There's a lot of crazy things going on, but, but you didn't get caught up in that. Instead, you sat at my feet and you learned. And that's, what, that's what Jesus wants for each and every one of us. So I want to stop really quickly and ask, and I'm asking myself this too, are you making time to stop what you're doing amidst your busy schedules to sit at the feet of Jesus like Mary and learn from him? Are you carving out time in your day despite the, the homework that you have, despite the college essays that you have to write, despite the sports that you have or the jobs that you have, are you taking time out of your day to sit at the feet of Jesus and learn? Because that's, 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 how, that's how the book of Proverbs starts out, by telling us that we should be seeking out the words of God for, to, to increase our intellect, to increase our, our knowledge and understanding of his word. And we'll see quickly in this story Jesus rewards that. We are rewarded for that, for carving out time to do that. All right, next verse. We get into a new aspect of wisdom that we receive. For receiving instruction, instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right, just, and fair. So in this aspect, we get this, the, the biblical wisdom offers us um, improvement on ethics, Okay, like, like this idea of knowing what's right and wrong, seeing injustice, putting an end to injustice, looking at that and valuing each of those, living righteously. And the guy who I think of for this is not a particular example, but it's more looking at the life of this Old Testament prophet named Amos, right? Amos, he's in your Old Testament, he's a, he's a short little book, but he's this guy that was around a, a few decades before the fall of Israel, before Israel no longer was a nation, but a couple hundred years after Solomon, there's this man named Amos, he's this honest guy, he's a prophet. So that meant that God would speak to him, and then Amos would go to the Israelites and share his message with all of Israel. And the thing that this guy really focused on was as followers of God, we are to seek out and put an end to injustice. We are to, to look out and live righteously. Despite what's going on around us, despite people not behaving righteously or unjustly, we are called to have a better ethic and, and, and change the world around us and, and seek out injustice, or seek out justice, I should say. So Amos shows us, just by his life, just by his writings, that when we acquire a godly wisdom, it improves our ethics in life as well. Now we go to verse 4, which says, For giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. This one is, is, is one of the main ones that I really see when I look at the book of Proverbs. It gives a practical side to wisdom as well. And when I, when I think about this, when I hear this, when I think about prudent behavior, I think of Joseph. Joseph is a guy in the Old Testament, in the book of Genesis, at the very end. This is how, you know how in Exodus, 
we, we start with Israel being enslaved to, to, to Egypt. Well, the way we get to Egypt is through the life of Joseph. And now Joseph is this like really like wise for his young age. Um, and he's, this, he's the favorite of 12 brothers. And his brothers get really jealous of him. And so, you know, they do the natural thing. You know, we all have siblings. We don't like our siblings. So we sell them into slavery. Like, I remember when I tried to sell Rachel into slavery. I tried to, tried to get her on out of the house. You know, like, just classic. Classic brother-brother behavior, right? Well, that's kind of like the beginning of Joseph's life. And, like, it just keeps on going down. And then, and then wherever he's at, he, he finds favor, right? And Joseph is known for living a righteous life. But, like, if you look through his story, like, he does have a lot of words that he says, but it's more about the actions and the things that he continues to do. And we see him live an extremely prudent life, a, a life full of integrity. At, at each step of the way, he's climbing, he's climbing the ranks up. Like, like he gets sold into slavery, right? Um, by the end of his time as a slave, he, he climbs up the ladder and is, like, the head slave person in, in Potiphar's house. And then there's this little interaction between Potiphar's wife and Joseph where Potiphar's wife tries to seduce Joseph and he acts righteously, acts prudently, and turns her down. But, you know, this is a bad story for Joseph. So despite doing that and doing the right thing, he gets punished and he goes to prison. And then in prison, he works his way back up to like the top prisoner. And then, and then from there, he gets into the courts of Egypt. And by the end of the story, by the end of Genesis, Joseph is number two in all of Egypt, and he's, he's saved Egypt because of the dreams that God has given him. That's, that's the story of Joseph really quickly. There's a really great musical about Joseph's life called Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Siler is a big drama guy. It's like his all-time favorite musical. He loves talking about it. So, um, <laughs> It's my favorite musical. If, it, <laughs> if I, this is a promise. I haven't thought about this. But if Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat is ever showing in the, like, in the Chicagoland area, Shig is going to have an event to go see that. We're, we're going to go and do that. So, so be on the lookout for that. I don't know if that's going to happen, but we're going to do that because it's a great musical. Anyways, we look at Joseph's life and see that he lives out wisdom through his practical living, through his day-to-day interactions, through the integrity that he has. And so just from these first three verses, we see that we can improve our intellect, by, by seeking out knowledge and understanding in God's word, we see that we can improve our ethics like Amos does and, and seeking out righteousness and, and justice in this world. And we can improve our practical living as well, like Joseph does. We can know and discern what's right from wrong. There's a lot of gray area in life where, where we don't really know and the Bible doesn't really speak to, speak to what that looks like. But the book of Proverbs sh- helps us to, to figure out righteous living and, and integrity and living correctly in life and living in a godly way. And we see that in the life of Joseph. And so we see that wisdom helps you live out your faith in your everyday life. Then we move on to verse 5 where it says, let the wise listen and add to their learning and let the discerning get guidance. I love this verse because it talks about this idea that we should always have an attitude of being a student. That the journey of living a wise life or, or acquiring wisdom should never end. Like, it doesn't end when you get out of high school or, or, or get out of college or get out of graduate school or, or when you start a job or when you have a family and now you're a parent. It doesn't stop. We should always be looking and craving knowledge and guidance. And that's what verse 5 is encouraging us to do. We should always have the mind of a student. And one thing that I've learned, the more that I've studied scripture, as I've gone through Bible college and seminary, and now I've been in this position for a few years now, the more I study and teach the Bible, the more I realize that I don't know all too much about scripture, and I need to learn more, and I I need to spend more time 
acquiring knowledge and, 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 and living wisely. And so that's what this verse is telling us, that we should have this attitude of constantly trying to learn more from the words of God. But then we get to verse 7. And, and this is really kind of, if, if we don't have verse 7, you can throw everything else I've just said out the window. And this is kind of the theme of, of wisdom literature itself. It's a phrase that we'll get a lot. It, it, you'll see a lot if you read through Proverbs. Um, it, it says this, verse 7, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So if you were to read the book of Proverbs, you would see that there's really two ways to live, the way of the wise man and the way of the fool. And the way of the wise man is one that, that heeds God's word and fears the Lord, and the way of the fool is the one that ignores God's word. It doesn't listen to it. Okay, so that's, that's a theme that we get throughout. You don't want to be foolish. You want to be wise, right? That's, that's what Proverbs is here for. And, and we're getting like the thesis statement of all of Proverbs is that if you don't, if, if the beginning of knowledge, the beginning of acquiring this, the, the path towards a good life is having a fear of the Lord, which is an interesting term, so we're going to break it down really quickly. First off, I want to I point out the fact that the, the phrase the Lord is used here. Now, anytime you are in the Old Testament and you see the Lord in all caps, that is actually in reference to God's name. And if you guys have been paying attention to Sunday morning's We've been going through the book of Exodus. In that, in that book, we see God reveal his name to Moses and to his people and to the world. His name is Yahweh, right? And it, he, his name means that he's, he's full of the steadfast, loyal love to his people. It, it, it should bring back, ring true, like Genesis chapter 2, this, this intimate creator that breathed life into us, but who also created the cosmos. That same creator is Yahweh who has chosen his people and who loves his people. And so Solomon uses that term here to, re, to, to remind us of all, of, of all the characteristics of God that we've been talking about this, all, of, all of the fall. So, so when he's talking about the Lord, he's, he's referencing all of that. But then he, he uses this term fear, right? And I think, I mean, when I think of the word fear, I think of like horror movies, you know, like, like oh, you scared me. Like, I, I'm, I'm scared right now. Well, if you were exposed to the, to the full power of God, you probably would have that element of fear in you. But this isn't the type of fear that is referenced here. This, this isn't the type of fear that Solomon is trying to bring out in you. Instead, it's more of this reverence or respect of the Lord. And so when I, I was, I've, been, I've been reading through this, trying to think through how to explain this to you. And then it's funny, the Lord just gave me this experience this past week where I, I truly started to understand what this means. Um, me and my wife this past week, we were in Colorado, and we drove out to Colorado. We drove out to the mountains, the Rocky Mountains, to go snowboarding, and we, we drove in a Kia Forte. So it's just like, I don't know if you guys know cars very well. I'm not really a car guy, but not all-wheel drive. The tires are old. Like, not a great car in the snow at all. And we just kind of went straight to the snow in, in the mountains, right? And, and so we, we drove there. Luckily, the weather was fine. And we were up in the mountains, we were snowboarding, it was great. It didn't really snow at all the days that we wanted to snowboard, but the day that we wanted to leave, it started snowing, right? And so I woke up, I told Jess, hey, we're going to leave super early, we're going to leave at 4 a.m., right? I'm kind of crazy. <laughs> um, and I, and I, I also said, if I wake up any earlier, though, we're gonna, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to roll you out of bed and we're going we're gonna to leave because I just want to get out on the road as quick as possible. I wake up at 1 in the morning and 
check my phone, right? I'm like, I'm like amped. I'm like ready to go. We went to bed super early. We went to bed at like 8 in the morning or 8 at night. Not 8 in the morning. That's really early. Not, not 8 in the morning. We went to bed at like 8, eight at night. I wake up at, at 1, so like, you know, like 4 or 5 hours of sleep. I check my phone, pull in the GPS, and I see that I can't, I, like, it's, like, it literally gives me this, like, you know how, like, if you, if you go on, like, Apple Maps, like, it'll, it'll tell you traffic, like, it's 17 minutes of traffic. Instead of that, it says, like, chain order in motion, like, and it literally says, like, if your car is, <laughs> if your car isn't, isn't all-wheel drive or four-wheel drive, if you don't have snow tires and if you don't have chains on your tires, you're not allowed to drive because you're, you're in the mountains and it's snowing and there's ice on the roads, right? And so I, I'm, like, literally, like, oh, shoot, like, we, we can't drive right now. And then for the next, like, few hours, I'm, like, I'm, like, sweating and, like, scared of the mountains to the point to where, like, it, it, like that order kind of goes away and we, we're allowed to drive on the road. And I'm, I'm scared and I want to wait longer for the sun to come out so that, so that the sun melts the ice on the road and, and I can get past the mountains safely. Because, like, we're driving up the, the Rocky Mountains, right? We're thousands of, of miles or, no, no, thousands of feet up in the air, right? Like, elevation is crazy up there. I'm terrified of these mountains all of a sudden, to the point to where, even though I was willing to leave at one in the morning, now because of the fear and reverence I have of these mountains, I want to change my whole plans. I changed my whole day around the fear of these mountains. And what, what's kind of convicting is, like, when we finally decided to, like, drive, <laughs> I, like, sat Jess down, I'm like, we should pray really quickly. We should, we should just, like, center ourselves, ask God to protect us, um, because these mountains are scary, and I, I want to be safe, right? And, I felt convicted about that because it's like, I don't do that every single day. Like, I don't, I don't ask for God's protection and first provision every single day. Instead, I have to have this mountain in my way in order to have that. Now, the reason I'm talking about all this is because in the same way that I approached that mountain, right, this, this idea that I had my own plans in mind, and then I, I was exposed to the true power of the mountain and, and the ice on the mountains, and I wanted to adjust everything. I wanted to change my whole, my whole plans for the day around that mountain. In the same way, when we fear the Lord, we need to look at God for who he is, all of his characteristics, and then from that, change the way that we live our lives. Change the route, change the time that we leave because of who God is. That is what Solomon is saying when he talks about fearing the Lord. Reverence, like having a reverence for him, knowing who he is, and having that change the way that you think about your life, think about yourself, and think about how you should live your life. Now, once we start doing that, once we start planning our days, our steps around who God is, that is when we start to begin to fear the Lord. And to use the language of Solomon, that is the beginning of knowledge. So if you want this intellect that we've talked about, if you want these ethics and this practical advice and, and, and this integrity, this prudence that, that is highlighted here in Proverbs, we need to understand what it means to look at God, know who he is, and fear him, and, and, and have this respect for him to change our paths around his ways. That is the beginning of knowledge, and that is something that you will see as you look through the book of Proverbs. So as I close today, I have two goals as we look through these, these Old Testament books. The first goal that I have is that everyone would go through the series, like everybody would, would learn to approach wisdom literature with hopes of gleaning this understanding and knowledge, just like Mary does. And the same attitude of just going at the feet of God's words 
and allowing that to change us. Despite all the noise, despite all the business, despite Martha rummaging around in the living room and kitchen, fixing, like, despite all the craziness in our lives, my prayer is that we, can, we would know that we can go to the Old Testament wisdom literature and, and have that shape and change our lives. And here's what's really fun. Like, if you read the New Testament at times, it's, it's not always easy to understand. And I understand, like, even me, like, I, I, I can read, old, like, Old Testament Hebrew and Greek, and sometimes I'm reading the Bible, and I'm like, I don't know what this is saying. That's not the, really the case in Proverbs. Like, that's just not, like, the, the style of writing. It's really easy to pick it up, open up to a random chapter, and just start gleaning the wisdom of the words, right? And actually, there's a really fun way to approach the book of Proverbs. Um, there's 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs, Right? There normally, there's never more than 31 days in a month, right? So, so one way you can read the book of Proverbs is look at your calendar, see what day of the month it is. So today is, what, the 7th? Like, so today, wake up, open up the Proverbs chapter 7, and just read through it a couple times. And then I would encourage you, just underline the Proverbs that stick out to you, the sayings that, that really kind of resonate with you. And, and, and think about that. Pray over those. And watch how that changes your life. And then tomorrow, when it's the 8th, open up the Proverbs chapter 8. Read that a couple times. Underline what sticks out. And, and then when the ninth comes around, open up the Proverbs chapter 9. I'm not asking for, you know, like an intense study. Just, just approach it, right? Be like Mary. Go to the feet of Jesus and hear what he has to say. Hear how he can shape and mold and change your life. So that's my first hope, that, that we can understand that we can read books like Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and, and really be shaped by it and changed by it. And my, my final hope as we go through this, this series is that we would all begin to live a good life. We, we talk about the love that Jesus has for us. We talk about the ability Jesus has to save us, right, from, from the depths of sin. We, we can be saved by Jesus, but that's not the end of the good news of the gospel. Jesus loves us so much that he saves us, yes, but then he goes on to change us, and, and, and he allows us to live an abundant life. John 10.10, 10, Jesus tells us that he came to give us life, an abundant life, life to the full. And as you guys look at books like Proverbs, you will see that, that it is a map to live a good life. And that is my hope for everybody in this room, that we would all live the best life possible. And that is a life that is following what is, what is laid out by our creator. The creator of the cosmos has a way for you to live. And we can, we can get closer to that lifestyle as we approach God's word and as it shapes and changes us. So I'm gonna close this in prayer and then we'll, we'll break up into small groups.